Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we ain't that fancy, <laughs> no. but we could pretend we are. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Al Mancini. <laughs> Joining me today from the fancy food show in fancy. fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, is co-host Samantha Gemini-Stevens of OffTheStrip.com. And as I said, we are getting fancy today. We are. I feel like Reba McIntyre should be singing a song. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, it is fancy down on that floor. And I'm not talking about Applebee's on a whatever you know fancy like that. <laughs> no, no, this is some fancy stuff. We've been we we've been um, wandering around the floor here at the fancy food show in the Las Vegas Convention Center for the past couple of days. Yeah. Uh, this is day two that we are recording the full podcast at the show um and we've been seeing a lot we have been eating a lot oh yeah um we've been talking to a lot of cool people and we have more coming by um our our little our little we got our little giant room actually yeah (laughs) we're like this tiny little table in the middle of a giant room in the back of the las vegas convention center's new hall if anybody has ever seen severance and you see that one desk in the middle of the room and there's nothing else in the room that is us that yeah. is it. <laughs> yes. The f- carpet is cooler, though. And we're, we're, we're down the end of a hallway, but I, I, I've been promised some cool people are going to be coming here to talk to us. Plus, we're going to go down on the floor, and we're going to talk ourselves. Ah, yeah. um, this is definitely ground zero for gourmet ingredients, great um, great treats that you may be seeing, and people that are trying something new, a little weird, a yeah. little crazy. This is where they come to show it off. Um, there are two fancy food shows a year, I believe, but the winter one is now in Las Vegas for its second year in yep. a row, and, and I'm we, hoping it'll be coming. That's what I'm hoping. I talked to somebody earlier, and uh, they said, do you know if it's coming? I said, I don't work for the show. I'm yeah. just I'm just taking videos and pictures and talking to people, but uh, yeah, I have hope. Yeah, so that is our hope, but you know, look, we always talk about where we've been dieting at the top of the show. We're going to do a very abbreviated section mm-hmm. This. And by the way, our friend Rich Johnson came down sick. I think everybody's getting sick right it's now, happening. which is scaring me a little bit because um, I do not need another no, you do not. flu or some <laughs> shit. But, um, uh, you know, oh, well, lots of hand sanitizer today. <laughs> um, but Rich is not here, but he will be assembling this for us. Maybe we'll hear his voice later on. I don't I know. But we so. all wish him the best and we hope he gets better. And we won't get to hear about his junk food. I know. I was this looking week. forward to that. Uh, but Gem- Gemini, real quickly, what have you been eating here in Vegas? Oh, well, mostly I've been. Week? cooking but you know I have to tell you in for the first time in a very long time I got my butt down to Gaetano's over the weekend uh, I got to sit down at the bar and talk to Nick Palmieri and he basically chose what we were eating up until like a main dish and just kept throwing food at us and you know as you know I've been looking up stuff for dry January so we were talking about those kinds of cocktails and mocktails uh, and the food was just delicious um, I had a, a pesto risotto with some Italian sausage uh, John had a filet of sole that was just super delicate beautifully done really light um they make their own mozzarella sticks with pesto inside super good um super seems to be the word of the day uh their bruschetta was nice fresh the bread was nice and had a little bit of a crunch to it um and i forget what else we tried but i mean you've got to get down there if you haven't been in a while it was so yeah. so good um, Gaetano's is a fantastic neighborhood restaurant yeah. in henderson they've been doing it for just about 20 years they've been in that location my understanding since 2001 or 2002 and uh, the original Gaetano's in Calabasas, I think they sold that in 2001. So they've been doing it for 40 plus years. Um, Dad Gaetano died in 2019. Um, Nick has been the owner and and running everything. I mean, he was running things a long time ago, but, um, you know, he just, he has got his hand on the pulse. I have not seen somebody work that hard 
in a really long time. No, he is and he's, on everything. He, he loves to travel to Italy. He loves to, you know, really source great ingredients. Um, we have a fantastic interview, not because I did it, but with the, because of the quality of the guest. <laughs> a fantastic interview with Nick Palmieri of Gaetano's <laughs> a few weeks back. So if you want to get it. deeper into that, um, just scroll through your podcast Do thing it. and you'll see that we just, I'd say two or three episodes back, that maybe sounds three about or right. four at this point. Yeah, go listen to it because Nick is amazing. And then the rest of the week, um, I had my sister in town, so uh, we cooked a little bit and then we had some leftovers go to featherblade butcher if you haven't already i got some amazing uh a rack of elk there um did that um uh in the sous vide and then crisped it up in a, in a cast iron pan um, i've also got short ribs from them i've got marrow bones i kind of went carnivore this week and it was delicious so that awesome. that's what i did this week <laughs> okay um a couple key take places i need to talk about real quickly i went to the opening of big chicken second local oh Las you Vegas talked location. about that yeah, yeah. And I have to say, I love big chicken, and I'm not one of these guys that gets all like, "Oh, this is my favorite fast food chicken." Like, yeah. You know, who the, I, I don't but I do love a good chicken fried horse. chicken sandwich. They do such an amazing. This is for those who don't know, it's Shaquille O'Neal. It's his brand, mm-hmm. um, but the two local chefs who run it are um, Matt Silverman and Matt Pajarski. Yep, and they're, they've have several concepts here in Las Vegas, but they're really, really talented chefs, um, and you know they they know how to do restaurants that do high volume mm-hmm. right and they know how to serve the masses with high quality ingredients that's what i and like that's about not always them. easy to do it isn't and you know they run they own they're the partners who developed um hex over at paris yeah. las vegas um also there's sammy hagar's local partner that does do his stuff at cabo, at cabo Wabo. Wabo, yeah um but big chicken to me is one of the best things that they've ever done and i really like it and they're great i don't eat fast food sandwiches very often but if i'm gonna eat them i would definitely do big chicken i'm okay with I that like yeah i don't do a lot of fast food but give me a really great chicken sandwich like that and, and i'll go yeah. i'm in and so their second location it is over in the old bok bok chicken um Where's space that? that was on um flamingo no tropicana sorry um yeah it's very west tropicana west of the 215 closer okay. to grand canyon um so this is new you know they're signed not on too far from where we live no. I can get over there easily enough. So they have about 200 franchises coming up already wow. for this concept, and they're already on like Carnival Cruise Lines. But this is a corporate store. <laughs> it's run. Well, Shaq is a partner That's with That's amazing. Cruise I didn't Line. know that. That is great. Uh, but this is a corporate store. This is their first drive through. Oh, cool. And they're doing the drive through because a lot of their franchisees wanted to do drive through yeah. So it's going to be new for them. I've heard some rumors of some cool stuff. What the fuck? I'll talk about it. I heard they, they it. may get Shaq to do his <gasps> own. I don't know. They, they haven't done it yet, but to do a radio station that you can hear as you're going <laughs> oh through the drive through That may be coming. Um, oh, how fun. The only downside of it having a drive through is this one does not have a bar. Because oh. you can't serve alcohol if you have a drive-thru, apparently. Oh. So the, the original one does have a bar over on Paradise Road. So okay. if you want to get liquor, so up, I'll go, go to that, that one. one. Uh, <laughs> but this one's great if you're on the west side of town. It's Absolutely. definitely worth it. And plus, you know, get it and go home and drink at home. Yeah, there you so, go. So the mad props to Big Chicken. <laughs> and I saw all the cool kids hanging out there. Our friend Ken from Chinglish was yep. out. And um, a lot of politicians were out. Um, great. You know, that are, Supporting. Yeah. Um, just coming to really support what they're doing. So good, good for those guys. Um, I'm a big fan. Uh, what else do we have to talk about? Oh, I went to Vetri. Finally, you got made it in, in past the happy hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, we sat up at the bar still, and uh, it was Sue and yeah. I in Vetri. 
Um, I looked across the bar. Bruce Coleman was in oh, there having great. dinner at the bar also. Uh, if but, you don't know who Bruce Coleman is, kids, he's got Soul Belly downtown. Yeah, and Soul I think Belly he's got, barbecue. he's putting something into one of the food halls, isn't he? Um, I believe, yeah, he's coming to Uncommons. Yeah. And uh, yeah, great chef. And he's been on some TV shows. You may have seen uh, Maybe a few. Too. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> um, but what, what will I tell you? Vetri is just so exactly what I wanted it to be, yeah. exactly what I remember. You know, I've been back. I've done the happy hour since they reopened, but I haven't had a full meal there. Um, we did this focaccia with a whipped regatta and mortadella on it. I saw the it. pictures. It was just so beautiful oh. and so so delicious. Um, then I did a signature dish of Mark of Chef Mark Vetri, which is the sweet onion crepe. Oh. And as he said on this podcast when we interviewed him, mm-hmm. but it's like it's French onion soup in a bite. Oh my right? God. Like, and that's really what it is. It's just all, everything you love about French onion soup, like all in this one bite I need bite to get my happy thing. ass in there. And it's so sweet and so, uh, so beautiful. And I haven't been back since they reopened and I, I just, I'm salivating at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sue and I ordered one pasta. Um, it's the chestnut fettuccine with wild Ooh. boar ragu. And it was fantastic. You could really taste the gaminess and the meat on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that's funny because when I interviewed um, Chef Vetri, I said, you know, he has dishes that you don't see on the menu at other Italian restaurants. Right. And that, to me, is what makes him unique. Because when you go to a fine French restaurant, you'll always see a dish that you don't see on other people's mm-hmm. menus, right? And when you go to a fine Japanese restaurant, they, these chefs are kind of renowned at yeah. the higher end of the spectrum for creating dishes that are unique to them. Maybe not unique to them, but the only place in Vegas that you're going to get sure. them, right? And they may all draw on traditional recipes. And and with, in Mark Vetri's um, case, they definitely do. Mm-hmm. But... It is that, wow, I've never had this dish before. Mm-hmm. So you know what he says to me when we're doing the interview? He's like, well, you know, I got a wild boar ragu. That's pretty traditional. I'm like, yeah, but not with chestnut fettuccine. Like, that is not right? something you see anywhere, <laughs> chef. I don't want to be arguing with you. Um, but, you know, so that's the deal. So I did that. They also, they remembered that, you know, Five years ago, when I had dined there, my favorite yeah. dish was the almond tortellini with Parmesan and white truffle. So they sent that out to oh us as well. Oh, my gosh. Um, and it was just having Chef Is it Chef on the Vetri menu or did he just go time. back no, and no, whip it up for that's you? No, that's still on the menu. So, you know, Vetri is as fantastic as we were hoping. Joining us now, just walked through the door, we have Bill Lynch, the president of the Specialty Foods Association. So I guess this is your party, Bill. Thanks for inviting <laughs> us, man. It's awesome. Well, you've definitely added some flavor to the party. We appreciate uh, you, you being here and having me on the podcast. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thanks so much for coming. Um, I, I'll just start with the basics. This is your second year here in Las Vegas. How are you guys feeling about our city and it's the way that it, it is a match for the Specialty Foods Association and for the Fancy Food Show? We, we are loving it here in Vegas. Um, you know, last year was our first taste and uh, we wanted more. Our members wanted more. And uh, we just had such an overwhelmingly positive response from our community. And, uh, you know, for many years we had talked about Vegas, but to actually bring it to fruition and experience it firsthand, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it really is a special place. And, uh, you know, the food community in particular, um, I think it surprised a lot of folks in our industry. Really? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, because, I, you know, I, I think a lot of folks have always experienced San Francisco and New York City mm-hmm. uh, for our shows. And uh, for many of them, this was their first experience in Vegas. Um, and I think they their eyes were opened to how awesome the, the food scene is here. And not, not just, you know, the the typical you know restaurants on the strip that you know of right it, there's some awesome little haunts uh you know 
hidden down side streets and little areas Absolutely. that you know are non-touristy and uh well that is what yeah. gem and i are here to do which <laughs> is to convince people to really explore las yeah. vegas so i hope you spread that word to everybody wherever you Absolutely. go in the country just tell them they need to come to vegas they need to First of all, they need to pick out on the strip, but then they need to explore. They need to explore Chinatown. They need to yeah. explore Fremont East. They need to go to the old Fremont section. Absolutely. And as I've been going around with some of your reps um, just a couple days ago, yeah. the Arts District. Oh, you yeah, need yeah. to explore the Arts District. So spread that gospel to Absolutely. the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, hidden gems here in uh, Las Vegas for sure. When you look around the floor of the show this year, I, I hope that you have some time to actually enjoy <laughs> it and see what's there. Um, and I know you, you already knew what producers were going to be there. You knew that all along. But as yeah. you walk around, do you get a sense of trends more so? Do you see what people are getting excited about? Do you see what people are like, where there's a crowd around this booth? And if so, what are you seeing on the floor? What's the vibe down there? Yeah, well, it, positive energy down there. Good buzz. Um, I will say I just came off the show floor and there was a booth that had a non-alcoholic wine. And the line around that booth was just insane. I got a text on my way up here to, to record this afternoon from one of the people I work with who said, can you go to this booth and taste this? I need you to taste it because I, 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 need, I need your palate to tell me what's going on. Yeah, what did you think? I haven't gone there yet. Oh, okay. I came here first, so I'm excited. <laughs> okay. But I've been getting, I've been doing things on dry January all month, so I've been getting a lot of these and that's probably the third text I got today about non-alcoholic wine on the floor. I have to get down. There. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. There, there seems to be this uh, movement towards uh, non-alcoholic adult beverages. Mm -hmm. You know, so so the folks in you know the community that don't drink or you know for health reasons, whatever the case might be, they want alternatives. Yep. They don't. You know, everybody still wants to go out and have fun and. You know, some of the uh, options out there are just really well done yeah. and uh, have come a long way. So that that's one thing that s stood out to me. Um, also, um, one of the trends I see happening is around upcycled foods. Yes. And uh, yeah. sustainability has, you know, always been important in this industry. But upcycled foods in particular, some of the products that are being created out there, um, you know, one in particular stands out that's just amazing is this bacon jam. And it's made with... I don't know. I, I I probably can't do it justice, but it's discarded, otherwise discarded, uh, you know, scraps. Pork yeah. products, yeah. yeah. Like the pieces, yeah, the byproducts, yep. which, you know, are all, by the way, one man's byproduct is another man's OFO, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end yep. of the day. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So a trend towards sustainability, a trend towards alcohol-free, those, yep. those are very cool. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about the reclaimed or the up... Mm -hmm. I, I we. I think both of us saw the um, the way spirit. Yes, right? and we'll have right. those, wayward spirits. I think they're called. Yeah, or something later like on that. this yeah. podcast, I'll have a little bit of my conversation with them. But people that are taking the way that is left over from making mm -hmm. cheese and turning it into alcohol. That's right. Yeah, which is really cool. It's amazing. Um, well, awesome. Does this mean we're going to have you back in Las Vegas for year question. three and four and five and six and always? Uh, well, I don't know about always, but uh, I'll tell you, the, the way things are looking right now, we're going to be here for a long time. And, uh, you know, we're certainly going to be here next year. Um, I'm not sure if we announced the dates yet, and I don't know them offhand. I probably should. But uh, I'll tell you, we've got, uh, at the end of the day, it's... You know, whether I love Vegas or San Francisco, it really doesn't matter. It's really what the members want. And the members have told us loud and clear they like Vegas mm -hmm. and they want to come back. And they just the experience that they've had, um, 
you know, not only at our show, but like we talked about, you know, those hidden gems, uh, just the entertainment aspect and just, just a lot to experience here in Vegas. And, uh, you two are, are lucky to, to be here and, uh, you know, be in the thick of it. But, uh, well, the challenge for anybody who runs a trade show in Vegas is making sure people make it into their show in yes. the, for the morning, right? <laughs> yeah. Because they, they weren't up all night either mm-hmm. trying to win back the rent money or, <laughs> right. um, drinking hard or at the strip club, right? Right. But the, the floor seemed to be crowded early in the day and I don't know if they were hungover or not but they seem to be making it out so that's you, you're you've overcome the biggest challenge of last yeah Vegas. yeah yeah maybe a little less pep in the step this morning but they're they're here yeah. and they're walking the floor so that's great well thanks so much for having us thanks for giving us the chance to podcast from here yeah i really appreciate your time uh we're happy to have you here and uh you, you both do a fantastic job and I, I appreciate you having me on and wow look who finally found it he made his way up to our little um cubby hole but first of all we i love it we have the um this huge it's area <laughs> for podcasting, but it is so hard to find. It is. Michael it is. Stam has found it, though, man. Oh my you gosh. are an explorer, my friend. Thank absolutely, you. Absolutely, absolutely. And you've been a busy man. I mean, I ran into you yesterday. It's been insane. These yeah. last uh, four or five days between product coming in and then helping out. I had 12, uh, four, 16 people sending me a product and then we had to store the product for them then we had to get it to the italians to the spaniard to different <laughs> cheese makers to the i mean it was just great it was awesome so just to introduce our listeners to you michael stem is the the owner he and his wife are owners of um msp specialty foods mgp mgp <laughs> i'm so sorry man i'm just having a day it's been crazy today <laughs> okay. my apologies mgp specialty foods also cured in way one of my favorite places to go for lunch one of my favorite sandwich shops and the place where you have to get the duck reuben by the way even though i know that i'm the mm. only one who like raves about that I'm i know you, every time i go in michael looks like eat something else you <laughs> idiot you don't just Expand eat the one your thing out. but i love it so much i have it's, to have it it's delicious i mean we're using the hudson valley duck camp for that and then we're using mrs klein sauerkraut and then of course our thousand island dressing is made in-house and it's just fun mm-hmm. yeah. i love that dish but my wife goes in there all the time on her lunch break yes, with people does. from her office they get all kinds oh, of yeah, different they're right things there. in there yeah. And they love it. Um, and I guess I'm going to do a short version and correct me where I'm wrong. I mean, you were always a gourmet provider to the big chefs in Las Vegas. You you were kind of the guy that they went to for stuff. And then you said, well, why don't, you know, they're always in here touring my place and getting samples. Why don't I open up Cured and Way and have a place where I could serve the public? Is that how that happened? It's actually, uh, we use the deli right now as a sample area. Okay. I mean, we wanted to open up in 2006, but the economy went sour. And uh, Valley Cheese and Wine was there back then. Uh, Kristen and Howard were just great people. I didn't want to take stuff away. So we didn't need, on top of it, we couldn't find staff back then too. Sure. So we just said, okay, let's hold off. Okay. And then actually seven years, April, six years, eight, seven years, April, a young lady came into the deli, I mean, into the shop, into the distribution side, looking for sliced cheese and charcuterie. And I said, well, we don't have that, but what are you doing? She introduced herself. She ran a a cheese counter at a uh, supermarket grocery store in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And she was working here for a grocery chain, didn't like it because she was just a number. And we sat down, we came to an agreement and she, good, let's go. Uh, uh, She opened up the shop for us. Right. And then, I mean, throughout all these years, we had some incredible people working for us. And I'm very so blessed. 
and fortunate they are just coming into our lives, okay? So she stayed on with us for about a year, almost a year, and then she had to leave because she actually had family issues and left town. And uh, so back then, uh, Roxanne took over, and then she was with mm -hmm. us for, what, a year, year and a half? Right. And it's just escalating, okay? Uh, um, Emily Brubaker came on board for us and mm -hmm. helped out with right. the deli, and then we had, of course, uh, Janelle come in. I mean, it was just great staff. Yeah, and you are really. kind of like a who's who of local foodies and people in the industry and chefs and purveyors and people that have gone on to start their own shops. And, yeah. you know, everybody, a lot of people got, I don't know, want to say a start, but kind of a, had a stop along their careers at your place. Yeah. And, uh, it's it's such a fun restaurant, and I can't go in there without seeing a chef. Either coming in, right. a local chef that mm -hmm. I know, coming in and picking something up, or, or they're coming eating. in for yeah. lunch and eating <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Well, I've been so fortunate throughout this. I mean, opening up the distribution now in 2000, well, 99, but officially February. This February will be 23 years. Congratulations. Wow. That's a long Congrats. time. And chefs like, for example, Johnny Church, okay, when he oh, was yes. up at, uh, he was Johnny Church, a Chuck Becker, who's now the president of Out West Meats. Uh, he was back then at Tanea Creek Brewery. Oh my gosh, that's right. Wow. Chuck was the executive chef. And I knew Chuck, we opened up Mirage and Treasure Island together. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I knew Chuck for a long time. And uh, anyway, so Johnny Church was back then an 18 year old punk. <laughs> at, uh, I Tanea know he'll Creek love hearing Brewery. that. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing Johnny grow throughout these years, I mean, it brings tears to my eyes. It's mm. Just amazing people. Look at Lalo over it. Now he's doing some consulting at Marsha Bacchus, okay? Mm -hmm. He barely spoke English back then. <laughs> and, you know, I've just been fortunate enough to encourage these people, okay? And, hey, listen, guys, go for it, okay? You are so talented. One of my best meals I had when I was with, uh, when Johnny Church was over at Orioles, Okay, yeah. and I mean, he there made some amazing dishes. Amazing dishes. Vincent over when he was at Orioles and now at Monomiga B is creating some I love phenomenal so much. dishes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but look. none of these people could make these phenomenal dishes without quality ingredients. And I think every chef in Las Vegas will say that, that it doesn't matter how good they are. It starts with the ingredients and that's what they get from right. you. I, again, uh, I started out with seven ingredients. Uh, truffle, truffle oil foie gras, caviar, and of course Hudson Valley back then, and wild mushrooms. That's how I got started, out of my garage, basically, in 99. Wow. I was still chef at Treasure Island. So and where uh, did the mushrooms come from, exactly, if you were in the garage? Well, actually... <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of mushrooms are we talking about, mushrooms Michael? Or, um, <laughs> I, I got a funny story about that, but no, they were actually wild mushrooms harvested in Colorado or in Oregon, Washington, California. That I, is so fun. I work with... Five, six different mushroom pickers. Mm -hmm. Okay, and they're traveling up and down the coast, or they're stationary, like some of them. I, one of my best friends is King of Mushroom, so you mm -hmm. can't miss him. He's been, he's doing this since he's nine years old. He learned the trade from his grandfather. Here's this seven-foot-tall guy walking in, oh and my gosh. he is just—I mean—a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting him through a friend of mine, and we just started. Man, this is great. This is awesome. We got along well. So he's bringing in some of the mushrooms. I have another guy up in Oregon. I had one guy in Colorado and talking about funny mushrooms. <laughs> I called him up one day and I says, Chuck, I need mushrooms. And he says, man, 
I couldn't give a darn what you need right now. Yeah. I'm or sitting here overlooking Boulder, and I'm so stoned I can't care. <laughs> so I haven't cool. done those kind of mushrooms in a long time, but man, I have been craving them recently. I have to oh, say. Man. So it was just funny, and the next thing was he says, uh, "You know, call me Monday." <laughs> It's like, oh my God, I hope he didn't chump. So I called his mom, I called his brother, I called his sister. She says, yeah, he's just high up in the mountains. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So that idiot threw his phone over the cliff. Oh my God. Oh, he was talking to you. Oh man. He's like, so, yeah, make the appointment. Talk to you later. Yeah, not, yeah, exactly. not, no one else is interrupting me. That's and, for sure. And then actually chefs inspired me in finding out, hey Mike, can you get me this? Like Carlos Guia over when he was chef at Commanders. Mm -hmm. Can you get me, and uh, Michael Jordan, at Rosemary is one of my favorite. Uh, can you get me pink uh, chanterelles from Louisiana? I said, pink chanterelles. Let me make a couple of phone calls. He says, here, call this guy and see if he can get you hooked up with somebody. Sure enough, he gave me the phone number of Cusamanos in Louisiana, in, in New Orleans, mm -hmm. wow. and said, Mike, uh, yeah, I introduced myself. He says, yeah, sure, we can do that. What do you need? And you'd never heard of them before. I never heard of them. <laughs> That's I mean, awesome. There's only, they're so rare. They're only growing within six weeks. Wow. Okay, so I mean, it's just, you've got to get them in, you've got to pick them, ship them, and then eat them. Yeah. Okay, that's how quickly they go. So it's just people guided me along. So for somebody okay. like yourself, what does it mean to have the fancy food show here in Las Vegas? It's the best. I, I just love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love San Francisco. I love New York. Even I could be upstate New York. <laughs> but uh, no, it, 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 coming to Las Vegas, seeing Las Vegas in all these years, I'm here 36 years, mm -hmm. from 50 cent shrimp cocktail to prime up and potato right. to where we are now. I mean, the culinary scene here on and off the strip is just insane. Look at these chefs, okay? Mm -hmm. Sparrow and Wolf, look at Partage. And, and not to take away from Bordeaux and, and the wind, they have all phenomenal restaurants. Bouchon, one of my favorite places, mm -hmm. okay? But then you go off the strip, and again, you have all these chefs going and finally going into the streets and doing something. Mm -hmm. uh, Carson Street, Kerry Simon. Yeah. Was I mean, God, such an incredible person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So missed. In so town. missed, exactly. So I've been very fortunate to get to work with all these chefs. Okay. And it's literally just by word of mouth. So I'm, it's very humbling for me. So when you walk around the floor, I know that you've been delivering things to people, right? So you right. kind of had the ingredients before they even showed them on the floor. Correct. Have you had a chance, though, to go out and look and see what's down there th this year? And are yes. you noticing any trends that are making you say, I'm going to need to stock up on this. I'm going to need to maybe I'll be cutting down on A in order to get more of Y, you know, B or whatever. I can't it's, know my it's letters. Uh, for us this year, it's actually interesting. We're looking and we're talking to the different importers and producers in Europe, what are the challenges over there? Labor, the shortage of uh, sheep milk producers or uh, sheep herders in Spain. Uh, I talked to, to Michelle Buster over from uh, F uh, Forever Cheese and hearing these stories that they're just short, uh, it, it's very sad. So there, there is certain things that we have to look out for and um, trying to get that in. There's shortages on importing. There's shortages in, in Italy with uh, uh, olive oil uh, because of the weather change, okay, because it's a much higher temperature. Um, last year they had uh, 
truffles, summer truffles, all the way in, in, into October. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just met with uh, Cristiano Savini, and, and we're talking about the forecast uh, on what's happening. He says it all depends on the weather. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this yet, so oh, I'm going to throw out a scooping. code word. I love the scoops. Is there anything I may have spoken with Bob Cranston about recently that yeah. you have to announce? <laughs> I, I see this face. I actually can't announce oh. it. This okay. is actually up to Bob and my wife. Okay, okay, because uh, I have the wine and beer license for the deli. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, yeah, something is coming happening soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love the look I'm on your face gonna, right now. Okay, I'll keep it quiet and I'll get Bob <laughs> on soon. Michael, man, I know you have so much to do. Um, I appreciate you coming up here and chatting with us. Coolest thing you've seen on the floor. I was going to ask, yes. Actually, so believe it or not, uh, vegan food is trending more and more. Yep. I've seen some incredible products. I just talked to a gentleman from Canada in regards of vegan sushi for retail and wholesale. Really? And that was kind of really interesting, uh, yes. And when you look at the list of ingredients, there's no shit in it. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's Got not all that it. chemical bullshit it. that some <laughs> vegan products have. Uh. Well, cool. I don't know. I don't know if, I mean, vegan sushi. Okay, that's cool. It's something I mean. different. Okay, I mean, for the retail market, uh, it, I think it would be really something different. As a guy like me who only wants the fish, and right. I don't even want the rice, Not I'm a sashimi yeah, guy. I'm a sashimi like, I'm I get lost there. <laughs> but, well, cool, man. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for it. having me. We have um, uh, somebody here who I'm just about to join. Sit, yeah, sit, please. Chef, come on please. in. Um, put on the headphones. I like this. Join us. This is great. Um, we, we're joined by the chef who is running the Spanish Pavilion here, who I am about to head down to do a little judging for him. I am Matt Schuster. I have a restaurant in San Francisco called Canela. Uh, We're a Spanish restaurant. We've been open for about 11 years. And uh, yes, I do a lot of work with uh, foods and wines from Spain, which is uh, part of the Spanish ministry. We do classes for professionals and uh, as well as consumers uh, throughout the world, really. Yeah, so, and and it's been great. We've been doing stuff with them since we've opened, so. And what are you here doing, representing the nation of Spain? <laughs> Great question, and <laughs> and and what and what a big uh, uh, responsibility that is, is representing yeah. the nation of Spain. <laughs> so I I do a lot of work with them, uh, you know, really uh, 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 championing championing Spanish products and Spanish recipes. You know, we do so much of that at our restaurant, and uh, uh, I have a background of also teaching culinary classes, and so that just married together well and I am helping them by by representing their products and cooking with their products in the Spanish pavilion we build a whole cooking school here uh, on the the you know the showroom floor I tell people you know uh, hey we've got a kitchen in the desert this really came from nowhere and um, it really is amazing you know we have uh, all all the things we need to to run these cooking classes so what does the nation of Spain want America to know about their food? What are they right. What are they pimping out this year right, in a big right, way? Right. Well, the cool thing about, you know, all of the country's pavilions is that sometimes it's products who, that don't have a distributor, so maybe they're new, uh, or maybe they've been there for a long time and they're just new to the American market. And, you know, Spain is a country that loves food. And so you have a lot of, you know, regional brands that are really coming to, to you know, to get their products into 
introduced into the United States, whether it's an olive oil or maybe it's like a spice or a chorizo uh, or cheese, and um, they're coming to you know to 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 get it into the market, or you know uh, maybe it is a product that's been in the market for a while, and they're they're just trying to keep their brand recognition up here in the United States. Is there a trend you're seeing within your pavilion this that's year? That's funny. So you know uh, there's always because this show used to be in San Francisco until mm-hmm. Las Vegas stole it from us. Yes. So. <laughs> Um, I feel the rivalry. That's right. <laughs> I love San Francisco, but we'll take your. I know. Your show I know. It, it got it got Vegas away. So um, there was always because we've been going to the show for for years, and there's always like, okay, well, what's the theme of the show this year? Yeah. You know, some years it's popcorn, some years it's chocolate. You know, my prediction for this year coming into 22 was that it was going to be plant based. I haven't walked the show at all because I've been you know busy in the pavilion, but um, so I'm. I'll, we'll we'll see if that is true. Interesting, you say that. I've been wandering the floor, of course, for the past two days, and uh, I've been seeing. You know, we've talked about uh, all kinds of stuff on the floor. People are talking about upcycled stuff, but there's a huge thing going towards vegan and plant-based mm-hmm. and things like that. So, how does that affect some of the stuff that you guys are doing, or does it? Well, at the restaurant, so we actually have a impossible albondiga now. We, really? You know, yeah, it's it's uh, albondiga impossible, and uh, <laughs> the, the, the crazy thing is, is is that. I thought it we would put it on the menu to to you know for all of the good reasons mm-hmm. right and also to give options to people who you know who were strict in that category mm-hmm. you know in the old days we used to call these things special diets right yeah. but, but they're really not diets anymore mm-hmm. now it's kind of this, this is where lives. we are right yeah. and so we were really surprised uh, they've been on the menu maybe like three months four months and uh, like everybody's ordering them yeah uh, because the, because the the base of the impossible means is really good um, and it tastes clean and it doesn't have that kind of weird aftertaste that sometimes uh, some of those products have. A lot have of them do, yeah. If there's certain, you know, amounts of binders mm-hmm. or, you know, things that are that are trying to replace things. But, you know, we pick it up in mushroom broth because, you know, it's a, it's a mushroomy type mm-hmm. of product and uh, it's in a, it comes in a traditional tomato and wine sauce and they're good. I mean, I remember we were testing it. We were like, these are good, you know? <laughs> so, Pleasantly yeah. surprised. And you're still using all your beautiful veg and sauces and spices and all of those things you would in your Spanish food anyway. Of course. Yeah. And, and the only change from that dish uh, is the is impossible the meat. meat. You yeah. know, we're not using ground pork or, 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 or any other meats. You know, we're, we're using the impossible awesome. meat. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, I'm about to head down to your pavilion I'm very so shortly, yes. and I'm going to be judging a <laughs> yes. cooking competition. Yes. What can you tell me about what I'm going to be doing down there? Yes. So we normally we'd only do these cooking classes and this year we decided to to switch it up a little bit and so we have uh, two local chefs coming to compete with some mystery Spanish ingredients and then they can access a pantry supply of Spanish uh, ingredients as well to help you know round it out you know we are limited obviously to to you know not you know they don't have fryers they don't have you know but you know there's a lot of things that that you, that you can do uh, uh, in preparation and what I tell people all the time is Spanish recipes aren't a hundred ingredients right you know they're 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 lesser ingredients both but those ingredients have to really stand up individually and be really great ingredients so whatever we have for them they shouldn't have to make it too complicated for it to for so it is to it shine. Gonna, is it gonna be like a mystery basket kind of thing mm. like on yes. chopped okay yes. so 
And they it, only have a 15-minute cook time, so it, and it's not really so, much cooking per se. So what are they going like, to be? You can tell us now because yeah. nobody's going to hear this until later. So one of them is actually one of the new products for this year, which is a uh, uh, an olive oil marmalade, and Ooh. it's made by uh, the folks at Supremo. It is Piquol uh, olive oil that is mixed with a little bit of sugar and water, and it's like a spreadable olive oil marmalade. Um, the, you know, the theme of the, of the day is, is conserves. And so, uh, you know, Spanish has a huge history of conserving products. We talk about all the time that growing up in the States, uh, uh, you know, we were used to more conserving things that weren't the best quality, but in Spain, it was the opposite. You conserve the things that are the best quality, which makes sense, right? Like, wouldn't you jar and can the things that you want to eat, you know, versus the things that you don't want to eat, right? <laughs> right? So, um, all of the most gourmet and, and and uh, a deli, you know, uh, rich items are in, uh, you know, in conserve. And so that was the theme. So we have uh, the olive oil. Uh, we have some oil packed tuna. Um, mm. uh, from from Spain as well, Benito del Norte, um, which is packed in olive oil. And then the third product is um, these um, spheres. There's a company that's making um, spheres that uh, they worked originally with El Bulli, and they basically take any liquid and they, yes. sp- they spherify it. Spherify anything. Yes, and, and, and that's Turn what they it said. Caviar. You know? I, yeah. I've made whiskey got, caviar before. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really cool. And that's what, the, that, that's what the, you know, they say there. They're like, yeah. you know, if you want us to do something special we'll turn we'll, we'll, we'll turn anything into a sphere I and i think it. that that's really cool you know, that's cool. a lot of fun yeah. so i'm excited to be judging yes. that um and it's going to be the chefs from peyote chef daniel from peyote yes. i believe so yeah it's going to be there and um the chef whose name is escaping me my apologies yes from boom bang though i believe uh, right? her name is amanda uh the kitchen vixen and uh <laughs> she is um and and since this has will come out after mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, doesn't uh, spoil anything. She's been on several competition shows, so she, she you know, knows the format. Um, and, cool. and uh, yeah, she's been so on Food Network. we're going to see some competition today. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, okay, yes, yes, I'm yes, excited yes. to be judging this. we got yes. a few more guests um, yes. lined up to roll in. So, man, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you. I really yeah. appreciate it. I'll see you down on the floor. Yeah. Sure. See, you, see you in the field. Next up, we hit the show floor. This is Food and Loathing. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. So as I was wandering the floor, I came across a little cluster of products from Turkey. Uh, They actually gave me a scoop of ice cream and a cake cone. And then I was able to get the attention of a gentleman named Kagan Gullarisi. And we sat down to speak about what that ice cream was all about. Yeah, we have like dessert, actually. We have dessert. We have a baklava over here, uh, some types of baklava. 
And we have, uh, of course, we have ice cream, Marash ice cream, we call it. Marash is a city in a Turkey. Okay. And, uh, and the Marash has like, um, we call it celeb. And the, there's no English word for celeb. It's a flavor for, um, for the orchids. Okay. Orchids muscular. And uh, it makes it strong. And the melting point is like nowhere. If you put this ice cream like 15 minutes away, like it's still same, no melting. Really? And yeah. So, so it's the ice cream that I'm eating right now is actually made from orchids in some degree? Is inside of orchids, but okay. not from orchids. Right, actually. but but a, but a product that comes from orchids. Orchids and the goat milk. And goat milk. Goat milk, yeah. So this is goat milk and some orchid product. And as a result, this is not going to melt on me if I walk around. No, you will see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you'll get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And I what mean, flavors do we have? It's already been five minutes. Yeah, you take it. it's been a few minutes. Yeah, yeah it's pretty yeah. amazing. Now, how's it going to hold up to the um, Vegas heat, though, when it gets to be 110 degrees outside? Um, it, it will be hard. Yeah. <laughs> it will be hard, but I, I mean, we believe in our products, and then, the, you know, cool. uh, it can make it. <laughs> what flavors do you make? Actually, that one is a plain. Right. We call it uh, uh, orchids and uh, plain mm-hmm. and uh, goat milk. But the okay. other than that, we have... Uh, over we have more than 40 flavors that we have the real fruits and real ingredients the other stuff and you can also try in here and we also we have vegan options oh wow yeah and where is it available in the u.s uh, we have a warehouse in california los mm-hmm. angeles and right now we're planning to open in the houston okay. and uh you know more than years <laughs> we were, yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> cool well thanks for your time and thanks for the ice cream of course anytime Two days in a row, I bumped into our old friend, Leanne Notabartolo. Um, she is, of course, the author of the Good for Spooning blog and does a lot of cooking demos, things like that. And she's been on our podcast many times. Uh, here's one of the chats I had with her. So what have you seen on the floor that's really exciting you right now? What I thought was really interesting is the packaging changes, getting away from plastics, getting away from cans and going more toward the boxes. Like for years, we saw boxed milk and things like that. And when we lived in Europe, we saw boxed milk, boxed wine, boxed... We're seeing a lot more of that at this show, which really excited me. But the thing, the trend that I was canned fish of all varieties. You know, we're used to tuna. We're used to sardines. There was this amazing curried trout that was out of sight. It was so good. They had octopus. They had mackerel. They had mussels. And it was several different purveyors. The ones that I tried in the Portuguese area from a Portuguese vendor, they were superb. Absolutely superb. So uh, the Italian offerings were excellent as always. But the big uh, canned fish offerings this year were far surpassing anything that I've seen in the past. So I was really excited about that. I also hear you got some jelly beans. I did. All right. So I'm a Potterhead and I'm not afraid or ashamed to admit it, but Jelly Belly just came out with butter beer flavored Jelly Belly jelly beans and they're giving them away by the handful right now because they don't want to pass them on to the next show. So I was like, yeah, I'll help you out with that. What else have you eaten while you were here that's really good? A lot of really great cheese. I mean, there's always... I feel like cheese was like one... Of, I, I, more cheese than anything else this year. There was a lot of really great cheese. Of course, I had some really good nuja and some salamis and some chorizos that were all terrific. Um, there were, I didn't try a lot of the prepared dishes that the chefs were offering. I was more interested in, because I am a home cook, of things that I can get as a consumer that I can encourage people nice to cook too. with. Thank you. So, good show. You hope they, they come back. I know they're coming back next year. I, so. I thought that this show was better than it was last year. Um, I like this uh, 
part of the convention center. The other, there's nothing wrong with the other part. This was just easier for me to access because I literally walked here from my house. Gotta love that. <laughs> no, I'm trying to no. figure out whether I need an Uber to get home, though. And I should mention that it was Leanne who pointed me in the direction of my next interview. Um, this woman, Emily Darchuk, is the founder of Wayward Spirit. And, um, yeah, Wayward. Not as in Wayward, W-A-Y-A-R-D, but Wayward, W-H-E-Y-W-A-R-D, as in eating your curds and whey. Could you explain what spirit you've created? Yeah, it's a first-of-its-kind specialty spirit uh, where you can truly taste a difference and make a difference. So instead of a traditional grain, grape, or agave, we actually work with sustainable dairy partners to upcycle their way. And instead of stripping out all the flavor to be neutral like a vodka, we're taking an approach more akin to how you make a really high in blanc with tequila. So you're ending up with its own signature flavor, its own great versatility, a little bit of vanilla oaky notes, a little bit of warm spice, but a really smooth, creamy finish. So you can use it in place of a ton of different cocktails to elevate your classics or create bespoke experiences. Um, you know, but so many people just love it on the rocks and, you know, you feel really good about there. Your every bottle is preventing food waste, but we won some of the top spirit awards around the world too. So we're really changing the paradigm of what alcohol can look like and connecting you to where your food comes from at the same time. For a lot of the public, when I say whey, all they flash back is um, little Miss Muffet and her Tuffet eating her curds and whey. And most people don't know what curds and whey really are. And if they have had some poutine with some cheese curds, then maybe they know what that is. Could you explain what whey is and how it's a byproduct of the dairy process and the cheese making process? Totally. We like to say we're totally what little Miss Muffet had on her 21st birthday. Um, you know, for every 10 pounds of milk made, you can make one pound of cheese, you're left with nine pounds of whey. That's chock full of nutrients, and um, that's essentially what we're using to, you know, ferment and distill our spirit. So it's that liquid that comes off of it. A lot of people had to treat it like waste because they're creating so much of it, but we see liquid gold. So we really work with partners and add value, and it's a great kind of farm-to-flask, farm-to-table story with it and really fun pairings too so it's cool to be able to have people try it and realize it's not cheesy it's not weird but you're getting this nice smoothness this nice creamy notes coming from it and you know our spirit is grain gluten and lactose free so it's really you know um it's a great option for a lot of people looking for something different so would most of this way just be going to waste so they'd be dumping it in the garbage what would be happening to it if you guys weren't making booze out of it yeah so we're considered an upcycled food company so you know these producers it's been a pain point and they're managing it however they can so sometimes it goes down the drain sometimes it goes to animal feed sometimes you can extract a little value out of it maybe that whey protein powder but we're really filling a really need a gap in the entire food system and we're um, proud to be great partners of people working really hard to make great tasting food and we're giving that way its highest and best use finally cool. what's the um, proof on this yeah great question so we're considered a base spirit it's 40 percent alcohol 80 proof so it's that one to three ounce pour in your cocktail but so many people love to just savor it straight little splash of club soda um, all of that complexity without the heaviness of having to have an aged spirit. So it's a great alternative for a lot of people that are just really like fine craft spirit artisan drinkers or want to get into cocktail culture and need a trust it, give me something different pour or that one thing that they have behind their bar that they can try any recipe they see online. And 
we're just trying to have people trust their palate and be adventurous and, you know, um, learn how to make a great cocktail. And our website's a really good resource for it. So if you go to waywardspirit.com, we have a cocktail quiz that, you know, helps you venture wayward, matches you with your favorite drink and a ton of recipes too. But we love to see wayward in the wild. So see what people come up with. And we share that often too in our newsletter. Um, if you join the herd, we send out cocktail recipes every month too. And can this be purchased in Las Vegas or the state of Nevada at this point? Yep. So we have great retail partners. Um, so if you go to waywardspirit.com, um, you can purchase online. We're shipping to about 40 states right now um, and opening up more retailers and um, um, restaurant partners, too, shortly. But, um, you know, across the country for gifts, waywardspirit.com is a great resource to see where we're sold, but also to just ship a bottle to your house. And one of the last people I bumped into, even though I have been waving to her the whole three days, was Nicole Brisson of Brezza Barzazu and soon to be coming to Uncommons. And she was one of the trend spotters for the event. So we spoke about what she'd been spotting. The show has been fantastic so far. You actually caught me just leaving with a, a giant bag of meat. So <laughs> how, how could it go wrong? <laughs> oh, man. So you were one of the people. First of all, yeah, I saw that bag of meat. I thought maybe you hit something on your way here and you just pulled over and filleted it down or chopped it down. But um, that looks tasty. Is that for home or is that for the restaurant? Uh, it was it was donated for uh, family meal purposes. So it was a nice gift from some vendors. Very cool. Um, so I believe you were sort of charged with being one of the trend spotters for this event, right? So first of all, what does that mean? And then what did you spot? Well, there were there were various trend spotters. So they were from all kind of walks, walks of life. There was retail trend spotters. There was uh, chef culinary driven. There were uh, Food science, you know, it, it was really, they had a great collection of talent and um, personalities to kind of just kind of divide and conquer the, the event floor and find what we really, we really thought was interesting and also where we see 2023 going. And I, the, the great thing is we see a lot of young entrepreneurs with, with budding businesses. We see, you know, a lot of quality products really being catapulted through the market and people being more conscientious of what they're putting in their bodies, health and wellness. I mean, all the things that I think our restaurant group stands for, which was exciting. So what were some of the two or three, if you can name, really exciting things or exciting companies, exciting products or just exciting people that you met while you were here? Well, obviously, I always tend to lean towards Italian. Um, <laughs> it was it was really great to see some of the artisanal uh, ancient grain pastas really taking off. Uh, one of the ingredients I saw at the Manicaretti booth is a bergamot uh, agramato. Agramato is usually when you throw the skins of a citrus peel into the oil press through the pressing process, and it extracts the natural oil. Uh, we brought it back to the restaurant. Arnold was so excited to start playing with that immediately. It would be great on crudos, finishing salads, meats. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, and then what I saw, obviously, some really beautiful Filipino sea salts, um, some, a lot of, a lot of fermented things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just really great packaging, great, great boutique businesses. It was so much. I mean, almost overwhelming. Is there something in particular that you think we're going to start seeing over the next year or two that you were able to say, wow, there's so much of that here that I guess this is the thing that I'm going to be seeing in every restaurant? The thing I was really excited to see that I think is really taking off like wildfire is all the aged balsamics. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of achatayas, and I visited two different achatayas in Italy, Massimo Bottura's and uh, Leonardi. And I just got done with a tasting at Giusti, and um, they were some of the products we featured at Italy. And uh, I just feel like chefs are really 
jumping on the Aceto bandwagon, which is exciting. Okay, so I'm going to ask you real quick. The, I, I love a good aged balsamic. I've had a few very old ones that people have gifted me. Um, I, they, they can be quite pricey, right? I mean, I've seen things up to 100-year-old aged balsamics that are like ridiculously expensive to keep in your home, for example. But they're great when I'm in a restaurant and they drizzle them on something. But what's the proper use of an aged balsamic? What If you were going to have them around the house, how do you use them in the right way so you're not wasting them when you could just use a supermarket balsamic yeah. instead? Well, I actually have a collection of anywhere from five years up to 75, and I have 100 year. And uh, a lot of them I've had for 10, 15 years. And I think that's what people have to understand is a little goes a very long way. So yes, you are paying $100 for that bottle, but it's really just about that little bit of a drop on a beautiful gelato or a beef cheek ravioli or a truffle pasta or something like that. Um, I, I love just having Massimo Butera's 15 year that's made from uh, Trebbiano and Lambrusco grapes. You can buy that locally at any specialty food store. Typically, uh, I get it at Sprouts. And that's great for drizzling over salads, uh, uh, lamb chops that have been grilled, grilled radicchio with uh, smoked mozzarella is one of my favorite ways to enjoy it. Um, but they're so versatile. So cool, Chef. It is so great seeing you here. Um, I hope to see you at both Brezza and Barzazu very soon. And then in my own neighborhood, you are coming into Uncommons when? Uh, so we don't have an exact date. Is that what I'm seeing yet? Exactly. It was it was the hot question of the last three days. And uh, we're looking at March, but uh, that's just kind of a guesstimate at this point. I spent probably too much time in the cheese area of the fancy food show this weekend. But one of the highlights had to be being introduced to something called breakfast cheese. So our petite breakfast is our flagship cheese. We've been making it since 1865. Uh, we are the country's oldest cheese company. So Petit Breakfast actually came about right after the gold rush in California. There was a huge influx of population that uh, miners that did not strike at ranch had to go to the San Francisco Bay looking for work. So all these new people, there wasn't enough eggs for breakfast. So our founder said, you know what's a great protein? Cheese. So basically we took a brie recipe, put it in a small format, Never gave it a chance to age or get its booth ride. Within four days, it was on a steamboat on the Petalumba River to the San Francisco Bay, and workers ate it for breakfast. And of course, I had to go and try some mimolette, which, if you're unsure of what that is, when you go to the cheese counter, it's this really dark, orange, sort of grainy-looking hard cheese. And we got to learn that there are quite a few different ages you can get, from a waxy, softer cheese to something that ages a little bit like whiskey. Yeah, the coolest thing about Isigny Bibelette is that they come in all different ages. Uh, so our youngest one is this waxed one here at three months. And then we have the six month over here, 12 month, which is the classic standard. And if you like it a little more age, you've got 18 months and 24 months. Uh, so what's great about that, they kind of get stronger with age. They also get more granular with age. Yes. So like the more toothsome kind of uh, texture, okay. you know, whereas if it's waxed uh, at the three-month level, it's more pliable. And also has more moisture, so you can also melt it better. It depends on your vibe. I like if you're having whiskey to have something a little stronger, probably 12 to 18 months. That would be my vibe on that. But, you know, the more we let, the better it right? <laughs> Some final thoughts next and a visit from Diana Breyer. This is Food and Loathing. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. So we're back from the showroom floor, the showroom the floor, showroom from the show floor. floor, like I've been car shopping, <laughs> back from the show floor, uh, back in our private little giant room with a little table in the middle of it. <laughs> Diana Breyer joining us, Gem, it's Al Mancini again, Gemini is here with That's us, right. Gemini Stevens, and Diana Breyer, who hey. is just down, um, first of all, being the cheese goddess of Las Vegas, um, <laughs> but she and I the only person I bumped into for the past three days. I feel like everywhere Honestly. I go, that's <laughs> everywhere. Diana's it's just like, there. hey, Al. <laughs> um, but Diana and I were asked to judge a cooking competition. Mm-hmm. And we had Chef Amanda from Boom Bang. Mm-hmm. We had um, Chef Daniel from, from Peyote. Peyote. Mm-hmm. And they were given a bunch of Spanish ingredients. We spoke about this a bit before the break. And they were asked to, um, to create three skewers with it. Sure. And give yep. us the three skewers. So, you want to talk about what? Uh, th- yeah, what did you talk. guys really that's end really, up getting? Has, it was hard to hear the them. The winner explain. was you announced it. Uh, the winner was Amanda, Amanda from Boombang. Yes, um, Amanda from Boombang. Yep, I have very little knowledge of like her skills, um, mm-hmm. but was really impressed with the way that she was able to integrate the flavor profiles into her bites. Um, they approached it stylistically very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas one was using the mystery ingredients, three mystery ingredients, they were Benito del Norte. So that's like a tuna um, mm-hmm. and olive oil. Um, and then there was a an olive oil marmalade. And then there was also uh, some... Like There's soy pearls and soy pearls some and seaweed, seaweed pearls, pearls that yeah. were sort of caviar-esque in And they could use sort of one like or both of those if they wanted to. Sure. And they yeah. were asked to make these three skewers. And, and now, see, here's the thing. Judging food competitions is it's ridiculous it to is. me. And, you know, it's always funny. Sometimes I do it. You, we do it with the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, I, I added up my grades and this person won. But I really would go back to that yeah. one more often, right? <laughs> sure. Like, it, it's very strange. And uh, the truth of the matter is... I enjoyed two of Daniel's bites probably more than anything else that we had. Yes. But what Daniel did was it was an exercise in contrast. I mm-hmm. felt like at least on his first two. For sure. That I had. Absolutely. I agree. 
One was a very um, traditional contrasting flavors. It was mm-hmm. the cheese, and you know more about that cheese than I do, but also do. the cheese with some chorizo on a piece of bread. But that's a very natural mm-hmm. cheese plate kind of, you know, yes. contrast, right? Mm-hmm. We were, what was the cheese that we that she, that she he put on that? It was Little Fryer, which is a chev, so a fresh unripened goat's milk cheese. It's It uses... Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's geeking out right now. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it uses cheese from a specific breed of goat called the Murikana goat. Cool. Um, and their flavor profile of their milk is super clean and mm. great for cheese making. So it produces like a really dense, fudgy texture, but still some lighter citrusy flavor profiles and a little bit of that like tart earthiness, but not like barnyard characteristics. So that was the second bite I had of his. The first yes. bite I had of his had an olive on it. And, and the then quince, quince paste. paste and then the pearls. And then the, those pearls. Mm-hmm. I think he did the soy pearls. With the ball, with the quince paste and the olive. Yeah, and that. How was, was the salty with the quince and the? I was shocked by the the contrast there. I was surprised. I kind of did a blah, 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 cool <laughs> in my head, but I loved it. I would go back and have it again. Awesome. Drop of a hat, but I don't know if it's for everybody. But I dug it a lot. And then I went to his very traditional contrasting flavors. Mm-hmm. And then we went to his third dish. And if he's listening, no disrespect, chef. But I felt <laughs> like the third dish was a catch-all dish. Where he's like, what else do I, you know, how am I going to do something? And so he had um, he had the peppers. He had, what are those, paquillo peppers? Paquillo peppers. Yeah. yeah, they're super mild, super flexible, right. very easy to stuff. And he had pretty much stuffed the paquillo peppers. I think he had some, of course, I didn't bring my notes back, but he had some of that tuna in there. Some of the tuna, um, and he had used, uh, I believe, apple and the like apple, done like right. a slaw with like the apple, apple and like some bell pepper okay. um, right. and some herbs and whatnot and done sort of like a slaw on top of that. Yeah. And so that one, first of all, it was impossible to pick up on its skewer. It, it was. was in a boat, you know, a little <laughs> boat yeah. to keep it there. And he gave us a fork. So if you're going to do strict judging criteria, you know, you're going to kind of lose a point there for that not really being yeah. a skewer. Um, but really, to me, I just felt like that dish was just sort of there because he had to make a third dish. Okay. And that's where he sort of lost me because those first two dishes, he's yeah. going in and I loved it. Then then we got to Amanda's dishes and she showed an expertise of blending flavors. Mm-hmm. There was no contrast. There was no nothing shocking going on in okay. your mouth like there had been with Daniel's dishes. I think nine out of ten people prefer that. Most people don't necessarily like flavors that are fighting in their mouths. I do like that, f- flavors fighting on my palate, if it can be done in a clever way. And I thought Daniel had done that. But I think that Amanda just showed a lot of skill in blending flavors that she may never have worked with before on all three of her dishes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately why we ended up choosing her, too, is because she did show that level of skill set of just being able to seamlessly integrate flavor profiles that she was not yet familiar with and had never particularly worked with before Mm -hmm. um, to create these bites that were overall pleasing to maybe like a general palate. Um, I agree that the last dish of Daniel's did. I'm sorry, chef as well. Um, I do think that it actually had a lot of potential. Um, So I was actually wondering if, if there was a way we could have used like a, a binding ingredient or some sort of, some sort of sauce or some sort of thicker, even the chev would have been something that we could have had a conversation with, add some chev and some herbs into that tuna, and you might have had a situation where it could have hold, held together a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, maybe used uh, the chev as a delivery vehicle to integrate some of the peppers, because chev with peppers is common, mm-hmm. chev with apples is common, chev right. with honey is common. Well, this is so. interesting. I spoke to Daniel after the fact, because, mm-hmm. okay, so one thing we noticed, yeah. and, you know, I speak up and say Please. whatever the fuck's on my mind, For sure. even while I'm judging, <laughs> and um, I, they, they finished, and I'm like, nobody used the anchovies that yes. were sitting there. Oh, and that, we were both surprised on that one, yeah, because And they were so good. They were they so passed fucking them good. Out. They yeah. passed them out, because nobody used them but what daniel said to me was he was planning to use the anchovies in that third dish 
uh, and didn't. Now, I think getting that, that salt off those anchovies might have really put a little sure. bit of a, a, a bit more of a bang into that. I just think it still would have been a sloppy, kind of messy dish that didn't work on the right. skewer concept. But I think flavor-wise, he would have kept that... That contrast that going kicked a bit it up more a notch, and kicked sure. it up a notch. So, you know, that's what happens when you have 15 minutes to make dishes. I was going right? to say, that 15 minutes went by really fast. And, and the looks yeah. on their faces as Chef Matt was calling out time was uh, progressively scarier. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that was it. I thought they both did great jobs. And, I think you they know, did too. I, I need to get back into Boom Bang and check out Chef yeah. Matt's food because I've only been for a brunch there once into their opening party. And it, people, you know, came back in the Neon Feast survey, a lot of people mentioning it that we need to add it to the app. So I got to get in there and get it on the app. But um, yeah, totally different menus between Peyote and Boom Bang. But sim- I mean, similar stylistic influences. So um, yeah. I mean, I really, I love Boom Bang, but that's in my neck of the woods. Right, you know it's that, in your so. neck of the woods. I don't get over there all that often. It's around often the corner from Valley some... Cheese and Wine, so and <laughs> catch is, a um, wild Diana at a happy hour. Yeah. I feel like peyote is, the last time I dined there, they're still coming into their own. They're still, I think, finding their footage, footing. So I want to go back. Now, Absolutely. Really I, again. I, I, I think that should be on I want to go back and see list. where he's gotten in the month or so since the last time I dined there, you know? I've been there three or four times since uh, these chefs taken over, um, maybe even more than that. And every meal has been different. Every menu has been different. And um, yeah, there there have been some misses, but mostly hits. And I'm I'm super excited because I know that every time I walk in, I'm going to have a new experience from the same chefs, and I get to learn something new or you know see some cool molecular thing that they're doing or whatever. So yeah, it's definitely worth another visit. I had the pleasure of chatting with Jolene for a little bit before the competition as well, and she's really excited about what's going on at Peyote too. Mm-hmm. So that's Charlie always nice. And, we're talking yep, about yep. yes. Um, always nice and heartening to hear when things just sort of work out. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and I loved what, what Daniel was doing when he was over at um, at her place at Vegas Test Black Kitchen. Black Pearl. For sure, Black yes. Pearl, which, yeah, and that's for those of you who have been to Vegas Test Kitchen and tried Black Pearl, which was sort of mostly ceviches mm-hmm. and things like that. That is Chef Daniel. And Isidro. Right. And yes, the two chefs from there are now running peyote, which, by the way, came back in my Neon Feast survey as one yes. of the best outdoor dining spots. I love that It wasn't that mentioned spot. as much for its food as it was for the <laughs> atmosphere, which is great because we like to yeah. recommend places just for occasions. I love the indoor-outdoor bar. I love yeah. the cactus garden everywhere and the wood fire cooking when they do events like that. So, yeah. So uh, since we have you here, Diana, and we're kind of, kind of in our final segment, we can just fuck off. We're not, I don't think we're doing much in the way of <laughs> news around, this week. Find out. It's my favorite but, thing to do. Let's yeah, really let's not going to do the news this week because we don't have our <laughs> this papers is the news. in the, front the of us. We are the news. We are the news, ladies and gentlemen. Diana, what do you think <laughs> about scene. what you saw down there on the floor? Of the convention. So the I really days. enjoy the fancy food show. Um, I We really get an opportunity to see a lot of different iterations of specialty food. Um, there's things that are a, a lot more, you know, commercially driven and food service driven. And then there are sort of those, for me, what I would consider the little gems that are going to be appropriate for me to integrate into my programming at Valley Cheese and Wine. Um, but overall, I think the experience from a culinary standpoint is, is head and shoulders above other trade shows that I've that I've seen. Um, really well organized. The showroom floor is easy to navigate this year. Um, and I think in their second year, they're really going to be ironing out a lot of those kinks from last year. Um, and of course, it's always great to see cheese people like yeah. all of us from that little island of misfit, <laughs> misfit little cheese wheels. But cheese is certainly not the misfits of this show. I no. Mean, the fancy food no. show, it's like, I'd say cheese I saw more than anything else. Yep. It's then an I saw charcuteries yeah. and salumis and basically cured meats, mm-hmm. right? And then after that, um, sweets right Right. like that's i would Mm -hmm. say that's how it went in the order of the most represented categories 
Yeah. I, I was speaking to, um, you know, I, I had a good chance. I don't know if you know the people from Vermont Creamery at all, but um, I met them because I was fortunate enough that the Good Food Foundation asked me to do a tour of the Arts District mm -hmm. for some of their producers. They were among the producers who were the Good Food Foundation invited me out. So I took them around the Absolutely. Arts District, showed them all my favorite Great places. goat cheeses out of Vermont Creamery. And, and I had some cool stuff. What I had from them, though, some sweet cheeses that they were pushing this year, almost like dessert cheeses. So there was like really? a fruity cheese that they had like up the there. Like the rolled log. Oh, the chev that have the inclusions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sure. And then they did a honey and truffle, which was not yes. completely off the wall. But and then they did another fruity one that they gave me, which was cool. So that that was sort of unusual. And then when I asked them what they were seeing that was new, because this is what's interesting to me. How do people? Are you still making? new things in the cheese world you know absolutely and they were the first to mention to me rogue creamery your mm -hmm. former employer mm -hmm. who you just taught me down to brought me down to meet that they're doing smoked blue cheeses oh, which i didn't get so to good. try <laughs> so smoked smoky blue is an american artisan original it's the first smoked blue to hit the domestic market um essentially it is a cold a cold smoking procedure over organic hazelnut shells uh overnight so it doesn't impart, like it doesn't change the structure, the current structure of the cheese. It doesn't, you know, heat it up and cause any sort of microbiological activity that's going to be of any pathogenic concern, but imparts this really delicate, really nutty, smoky flavor into the cheese. And for that blue, it's just a, a nice, beautiful balance with that saltiness of the Penicillium Rogue 40. The cows are on beautiful pastures out in Grants Pass, Oregon, which is where Rogue Creamery gets their milk. They have their own farm. Um, and that cheese is actually really great on top of a, like a nice warm chocolate chip cookie. Mm -hmm. Um, we love smoky blue on a chocolate chip cookie. So, so uh, people are still doing new things with cheeses. People I are mean, still doing yeah. new things with cheese. I mean, sm smoky blue has been around for a while. Um, I think now we're learning a lot more how to, how to take artisan cheese from trying to mimic what's, what was made in Europe versus putting our own spin on it. Um, because we're never going to mimic the terroir and even the breeds of animals and the make procedures. All of that is just going to be native to Europe. So I think with cheese, we're really starting to find our strides as American artisan cheesemakers and really focusing. I see a lot of local collaborations coming forward from small batch producers where it's like, this is our goat milk brie. And then we washed it in a beer from the town next door is what I'm seeing a lot more of that, that collaborative effort from small producers that are using this platform of the Fancy Food Show to sort of heighten that awareness that there are these really small producers that are working together and, um, and producing these really interesting and new-to-the-market cheeses. So Diana, of course, if we didn't give to a proper introduction, is the <laughs> proprietor of Valley Cheese and Wine. You did call her a cheese Henderson. goddess. I mean, cheese goddess. <laughs> that works. One of my favorite mongers. There's Absolutely. Only, as I've said to Diana, there's only three things I know of that you could be a monger of. Basically, you could be a cheesemonger, you can be a warmonger, yep. or you can be a whoremonger. <laughs> Like those are the three, and you're you're one of my favorite fishmonger. Fishmonger, yeah, there I you forgot go. Fishmonger, so yeah. foremongering things. Yes. So, so um, but and depending on what time of day you catch me, I could be any I one of the four. <laughs> so you know. But I well, don't go to war with me, please. Um, but I, you know, I love your shop. It's fantastic. So, did you see anything here that you're like, fuck? I got to start carrying that. Yeah, there are some tin. There's some tinned fish from Portugal that's yes. really got my eye, and I I am just in love with tinned fish. Uh, it's programming that you don't see often uh, in specialty shops or even just in general in, in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing a lot of like really thoughtfully curated tin fish selections. Um, we work with 5098 Bread who are wonderful. That's Chris. Mm -hmm. um, Chris Wilson and Chris Ryan. Chris Wilson and, yep. Ryan, and Ryan. And she has a 
whole tin aficionado thing where it's just like she's following she's collecting tin fish and giving it reviews and doing things like that and so i'm actually hoping to to combine our loves together and you know have her bread at the shop and a lot of tin fish for her to enjoy but everyone really because it, i think that she's actually been providing a little bit of a platform because she's 5098 took off, mm-hmm. right? They are doing an outstanding job in the Valley. And they're really community-based and community-driven. But I think that her having this really like vested interest in tin mm-hmm. fish and creating this whole thing about it has caused a little bit of people in the food scene who do work with 5098, and that's a lot of us, yeah. right. um, to be like, oh, let's pay attention to tin fish. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that she's actually gotten she's influencing the she's influencers that's right <laughs> yeah. So, that's cool. yeah but uh so, so there's some tin fish uh, a lot of accompaniments people are really being thoughtful and playful with their jams mm-hmm. um their mustards really things that could play play really uh interestingly with cheese so uh i'm interested in a lot more of the dry goods uh cheeses i typically have known about or know about but i'm just seeing how they're showing right now there are some that i've gotten to revisit that i haven't you know, had a conversation within a couple of years or haven't seen in a couple of years. So nice to see that those cheeses are still here and cool. still Absolutely. thriving. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. This of is the course. part where we normally go through our credits and like where you can find us and all that kind of yeah, shit. Yeah, let's do We're it. We're doing it without a script this week. We so are. Rich may just jump in and throw his own voice <laughs> in after that. But um, Gemini, first of all, Diana, everybody could come and visit you at Valley Cheese and Wine. Tell them exactly where it's located. Uh, we're on Horizon Ridge Parkway uh, in between Valley Verde and Stephanie in the McDonald Ranch area of Henderson, right across from the post office. Mm-hmm. Um, we took a hint from Ada's. Um, you know how there's a little cat in the window if Cat the lead sommelier is there. Mm-hmm. There's now a little cheese wedge in our window that actually came from James and Amanda Trees. Um, ah, cool. uh, so if the cheese wedge is lit up, then I'm there. Awesome. And uh, any classes coming up? Any special events? We're actually uh, <laughs> We're actually going to activate a new menu. So we're going to have like tea sandwiches and flights and all of that jazz available basically for our full operating hours. Um, And we have programming and classes set through the end of April. And as soon as Fancy Food Show is done and I have the time to do it, then you guys are all going to learn about it too. Cool. (laughs) Well, they can check your website in the meantime. No, because I'm doing the website too. Okay, okay. No worries. We'll we'll let you know. So next week, you'll figure it out. We'll keep you up to date. Um, How about you, Gemini? What you got going on over at Off? the strip or elsewhere oh well i'm still working on dry january all month um so <laughs> says the lady who was just drinking i was just who drinking was just handed a vodka, vodka cocktail by diana yeah uh-huh I'm a that problem. is the driest so I'm of a, january i'm reporting on dry january <laughs> vegas dry january you know, and i gotta say like people know i don't really drink yeah. anymore and what for all the reasons but um the, yeah when, the first time i quit drinking yeah like when the doctors just suggested it instead of pretty much told me i'd be dead that's how I did. I did Vegas quitting drinking, right? right? Which was, I always had a fucking drink in my hand. Right. I just wasn't pounding it. I feel like that's how you're doing dry January. Kind it's of, like you yeah. still always it's have a, a drink drought. in your hand, it's but a, you're not. It's a drought. Yeah. She's fine. Yeah. We're all fine here. And I'm, you know, and I'm going to Mexico on Thursday. So let's face it, I'm not doing it down there. So, um, but yeah. yeah, so I am reporting on it. I am, I have been meeting with some really great people. So we're, you know, the, the next, ver- uh, excuse me, installment will come out on Friday. And uh, we'll talk about more about what's available around the Valley, where you can go. Um, Each week, there's always going to be a list of resources, not only if you need more help than just 30 days is going to give you, but also if you want to know where you can have uh, cocktails with no booze. 
I'll list everywhere I've been or everywhere I know that does it and, you know, make suggestions. Um, and uh, there's an article coming out soon about the new Echo and Rig. I know you've talked to Sam about that, yeah. Chef Sam, and uh, lunch over at it's Forte. It's not going to be a good place to do dry anything because no. this cocktail program <laughs> at that it's, new it's location gonna is going to be amazing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. sat down with him for about an hour. I sat down uh, with Nina over at Forte for a little bit and, and tasted the lunch spread. So all kinds of fun stuff coming out, and you can find it off the strip or you can find me on the socials at Wishbone and Vine. Cool. And um, me. You can see me every other Wednesday on Wake Up with the CW about 8.15, 8.10 in the morning. Actually, 8.10 seems to be like the magic hour for me. You can mm -hmm. see me there every other Wednesday. Every Thursday on KMZQ AM 740. I'm on about 8.10 AM there. Um, <laughs> you can hear me on the Highway Drive, Highway Radio, and Vegas Vibe stations. That's like six times a day on all those stations doing a little foodie update. Um, and of course, download the Neon Feast app. It's going to tell you what are all the cool kids that I hang out with so they may not be the coolest if they hang out with me but um we're not we're I all my take that person all my yeah, chef right? friends all my um all my restaurateur friends where they dine in about 100 different categories download the neon feast app the new version should be out by the time you hear this podcast i'm going to show you some of that because i've got it on the test flight awesome version at least for apple and you can go to neonfeast.com and find that Rich Johnson, who is putting this thing all together, if he gets over Thank whatever you, is making him <laughs> ill today, um, listen to his other podcast, On the Corner of Main Street, which yep. is recorded at the Plaza Hotel. So In look Oscars. for that as well. Um, yes, and I think that's about it. I'm Al Mancini with Diana Breyer and Samantha Gemini Stevens. Stay hungry. Yeah.